Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Real-Time Resilience, Coping During COVID-19. We join Dr Denise Quinlan and Dr Lucy Hone, co-directors of the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience, plus invited experts as they share tips to look after your mental health and well-being during this time. Hello and welcome to Real-Time Resilience. Today we're talking about staying sane and kind in your bubble. I'm Dr Denise Quinlan and with me is Dr Lucy Hone, my fellow director from the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. Welcome, Lucy. Hi there, Denise. So we thought we would do this podcast today because we've now all been in our bubbles for a while and we knew it would be testing and taxing. So really, I guess my question for you is, how's it going for you, Denise? Well, like every other human, I hope, um, I'm reminded that isolating, isolating at home has its challenges. You know, there are people I love, but um, gosh, it all got a bit frustrating quite quickly. And so by the end of, you know, by the end of day four, uh, I was ready to, to kill everyone, actually. And mainly, mainly it has to be said, my husband. So um, that's why I have written the blog not killing Nigel. That is in my, that's my, it's like hashtag life goals. My goal for this week is not killing Nigel. And I decided that needed to be reframed as staying kind and sane um, in your bubble. Awesome. So um, I've got to ask, so Nigel's your husband. Does he know you've written a blog about him and we're doing a webinar about not killing Nigel? <laughs> I, I think he's actually, he's actually um, probably gladder that we're doing a blog about it and I'm writing about it because it means I'm actually trying to avoid being horrible. But yeah, um, yeah. the funny thing is I shared it with a couple of friends and they said, one of them said, can you write not killing Simon? And another one said, can you write not killing every member in my family. So you mean it's quite a common complaint, and um, I think that we would all agree with you right now. Absolutely it is. Um, so the good thing is you've come up with some strategies for not killing Nigel, and that's what we're going to focus on today. So right at the top, do you want to just run us through your top five strategies for staying sane in the bubble? Sure. So, so here they are, and then we'll talk about them in more detail. The first one is lower the bar. Reduce your expectations of yourself and other people. The second one is identify your early warning signs. What are the things that let you know you're getting frustration is building, pressure is mounting in the volcano? And then when you do that, then the next thing is to to make up your list of what are the things that calm and restore you? What are the things that are going to refill your fuel tank? And then the fourth one is identifying your quiet space and ideally giving everyone in the house a quiet space that they can retreat to, to go and restore. Um, And then the fifth one is, I think this is really important is to also think about what's best about this person who's winding you up. Okay. So not fixating on the bit that winding you up, but actually to try and have a broader picture and think about the good stuff. 
And actually, I realize that comes a little bit from the work of people like Barbara Fredrickson, in that we know that positive emotions have an undoing effect. When we get to experience positive emotion, it more quickly helps undo the physical um, they call them sequelae, the physical hangovers of negative emotions in our bodies, whether that's anger, fear, whatever. Um, having some positive emotion kind of washes those through more quickly. Awesome. Okay, so let's just recap and um, go through and um, talk the real stuff about yeah. what these strategies look like in your life, and um, I'll see which I can relate to too. So starting at the top, um, what exactly do you mean by lowering the bar? We, we're not operating in business as usual. Everybody is challenged. There are so many things happening inside and outside of our bubbles that to hold ourselves to the same standard as we normally do is just not reasonable. And so I am making a really big effort to ignore the dishes on the bench and in the sink, the shoes left in the living room, things that I would normally kind of Point so are these the things that were really winding you up at the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think I was talking to um, Chessie Henry, my lovely niece, um, who was staying with us just before we went into lockdown. And uh, she's 27. She was trying to decide on, you know, who were the best people to go into isolation with. And then she and I had this great conversation about the reality is there is no perfect bubble. You know, we, we all know that old saying about friends and family and fish. You should just keep them for three days and then chuck them out. And so I think it is really important at this time for us all to realize that there's no perfect bubble. No one's got it better than you. But forget the social comparison and just realize that these are exceptional times. This is an artificial, really exacerbate, ex- exacerbate. Is that right? Exacerbating. Yeah. yeah. Um, time and kind of, you know, place to be living in. So we just kind of have to suck it up, which is why I think it's so important that we have these strategies. So um, moving on. So what, Denise, are your early warning signs? So the things that let me know that frustration is building is I hear my internal dialogue and it's saying, why doesn't nobody else ever tidy up? Why do they, why do, why do they always leave it to me? Um, and there's a lot of, I hear resentment mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what starts to build. Yeah. And in our training, you and I, um, it, the way we were trained and the way we train other people as well, one of those sort of key watchwords to, um, look out for, to know that we are being over judgmental and we kind of got sucked into that negativity bias is those telltale words of always, um, never, you know, very black and white thinking when actually the reality we know is much more gray. Yeah. So, yep. So you, we've got to recognize our own early warning signs and they're different, of course, for each of us. Yeah. And Lucy, what have you, what are yours? What have you noticed? Yeah. Mine is also um, very um, highly tuned up, like, you know, the volume's gone higher on internal chatter. So I'm, I'm very mindful of that. Um, and I'm generally, I think I'm quite a tolerant person. And so just that knowing that um, things are getting my goat much more quickly is like, whoa, okay, need to put some strategies in place here. And I hear you. I think a lot of people can relate to that, that, that it's like that internal dialogue gets sped up. 
it's mm. when things get very busy in our heads it's time yeah, and, actually, and when you don't even and you don't like yourself in your own head any longer <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. well, I want to be with me so the next one number three is um to have to actually intentionally explicitly write up a calm and restore list so Denise what's on your personal calm and restore list it's Feet on the Fenua, if I can put my feet on solid ground, if I can get out into green space, then it really calms me down. And I'm, I'm kind of, as the days go on, I'm expanding and learning more about how to protect the things on this list. Mm-hmm. So when I'm out walking in the green space, Denise, don't make phone calls. Don't accept phone calls. You know, it's like... Don't take your phone. Yeah, if, I, if it's really... If this is what I'm doing to calm and restore me, don't mess with it. Yeah. So that works. Sometimes it's a bike ride. Sometimes it's live music and dancing, you know. Yeah. What's working for you? Well, I'm, having, I'm also noticing that um, I do have... To, I've had to change what normally might um, calm and restore me because of the close proximity that we're all living in so my husband Trevor and I usually we always walk together in the mornings um, walk the dogs in the mornings we you know if we exercise we normally do that together we normally watch the same Netflix shows together and right now you know we're living a pretty stifling environment so uh, we've had this conversation and I've been running with my earbuds in the evenings after work and that's really helped me running on my own you know running to music is my thing not very polite running with someone else with earbuds on so I'm going on my own and the other thing is I've been taking myself off with my laptop to watch cheer while the boys in the house are watching semi-pro one more time (laughs) and that's okay you know it's that sort of divide and conquer time I think go on just because I don't know what's cheer and what's semi-pro Come on, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm watching it because I heard the producer on Radio New Zealand the week before, and um, it's about cheerleading competitions in America. And obviously, like most people, I thought it was just about pom poms. Not so. It's ah. extreme athletics and um, gym moves and tumbling and all this kind of stuff. And, and basically about following the stories of these individuals, most of whom. Um, you know, we're really coming from kind of struggling lives and this is their big opportunity and they get to shine in two minutes and 15 seconds oh. at the national championship. So it's got, you know, all of that. So pro, just one word, what sport is it semi-pro in? I've never watched it. Excellent. We don't know. That's a mystery. We leave it as a mystery. I think it's so, basketball. My family will be so appalled at <laughs> <laughs> and I always just walk past with a kind of scornful, you know, glare on my face. Um, so um, now your fourth tip is to, for everyone to have an acknowledged quiet space in the house um, and a way of demonstrating that. So tell us more about that. So we all, we all need to get away from each other at times. And so I think if you can actually formalise it and say, your room is your quiet space. That room is your quiet space. Um, and, not, and not feel that we have to be available to people when we're feeling crappy and vulnerable. Yeah. And if you have a lot of people living in a small shared space, then my suggestion is even a chair pointing out a window or out a wall and wearing your headphones. And when you go there and you put your headphones on, that is the signal. 
And yeah. I, I think it's really important that we all respect it because when somebody does go to their quiet space, they're telling you, I can't cope with you anymore. I need time on my own. And it's like saying the bear has gone into its cave. And if you go and poke the bear with a stick, do you really think it's going to end well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, a friend and colleague, Alex Fulton, has created, she's got teenage girls at home and they have created, um, she's created, she's a designer and she's created, I'm isolating from isolation, kind of little thing to hang on your door, which I thought was just a great idea. It's just basically bugger off. I don't need you right now. I need some time out. So the whole point of all of these is about being explicit, isn't it? Drawing some lines lines and putting some protection. And I think the other thing it's probably worth reminding ourselves about is that the times when you'll need your quiet space and the strategies that work for you are going to vary as we go through this period. Um, There'll be some days where you need your quiet space in the morning. Other times it's the afternoon, the evening. And Mm. I I was really aware um, yesterday that the strategies that had been working for me of big WhatsApp calls with my family weren't working anymore and I needed silence. Yeah, and actually that goes back to um, what... Uh, Dr. Karen Rivich, you know, who trained both of us at the University of Pennsylvania, her absolute mantra was, we're nothing if not flexible. Yeah, and honestly, it just is so important to understand that right now, that resilience involves that mental agility, but also behavioral flexibility as well. You know, you need to be able to shake it up. You need to be able to flex. You need to be able to work out what works for today, what works for week three, or, you know, just keep shaking it up and asking yourself, you know, is this working for me or not is the really key thing, isn't it? So number five. Before we go on to number five, Liz, I think it is what you're saying there is so important about, it's about paying attention. It's about Mm. tuning in and paying attention to ourselves. Mm. And I think that is a gift we all need to give ourselves over this period of lockdown and self-isolation. Yeah. In, um, in just to be really true and real and not perfect here, shall I go and tell my husband who's next door <laughs> if he could be a bit quiet? <laughs> so we can like a great, I want to yell at him from here. Wait <laughs> one caller. Not, not often do we do this on a podcast. Normally we're in the studio. I love this. I'll be back in 10 seconds. You take your time, Lucy. So while Lucy is managing domestic bliss in her house, I will begin and move on to the fifth strategy, which is actually what I hope Lucy's doing now, which is remembering what's best about the person who's winding you up. Um, This is what I meant. I mentioned this earlier, that this is the one that generates positive emotion for me. It's the one that helps me get out of my... The, the hangover of my irritation and grudginess. And, and the questions I'm asking myself here are, what's the kindest thing this person has ever done for me? What's the thing I'm most proud of about this person? And what's my favorite memory of them? Yeah. So anything you can to generate that genuine feeling of love and goodwill towards this person. Yeah, yeah. So in my language, that would be, you know, what's good about them? What do I really respect in them? Um, and I'm reminded here of, um, of a dear friend of mine, Kimberly Mossman, who 
always for years has told me and reminded me that marriage is a package deal. And, um, and I think for all of us right now, that family is a package deal is a good little mantra to have running in our heads. You know, and, and I'm winding them up as much as they're winding me up. And so um, I think to just to just cope with notice what's driving you crazy and look at your calming and restoring strategies is helpful, but it just kind of leaves you at the edge of the black hole. It helps you climb back out of it. But actually thinking about what's best about this person, for me, that's, that's the bit that moves me further away from the black hole. It mm-hmm. generates some positive emotion and actually allows me to be able to come back out of my quiet space and engage yeah. um, in a constructive way with the person. And you were telling me that, that on um, not your typical Monday morning, talk us through our listeners, what happened to you on Monday morning? Yeah, this is why um, Not Killing Nigel is, is a worthy project. You know, I, I was out, it was pouring rain, it was eight o'clock on Monday morning, and I was out in the garden planting winter vegetables in the As month. you do. As you do. I, just, I desperately needed a sense of achievement and completion. So I arrived back into the kitchen and stood dripping wet, muddy in the kitchen. And Nigel just looked at me and went, oh, coffee? No. It was a little acknowledgement of my muddy state and just a smile and an yeah. offer of coffee. And I thought, gosh, he's practicing kindness and acceptance. And I think he's lowered the bar. So... Yeah. So good. Yeah, I love it. Okay. And I also know that you've been getting tips recently um, from about managing stress from a fire service expert. Can you tell us more about that? Look, I think, and I think this fits into this discussion because um, as part of real-time resilience, when we are getting wound up by people, sometimes we can't walk away. Sometimes mm-hmm. we can't take ourselves off to our quiet space. And so this one is, this for me is really the strategy for when you can't walk away mm-hmm. and you've got to stay there and make a decision and implement it. Mm-hmm. And so this, this work comes from a woman called Sabrina Cohen-Hatton in the UK. She's a senior firefighter. And this research, this was her PhD research, and it was developed to help firefighters make better decisions in situations of extreme stress. Okay, tell us more. Sabrina, Sabrina says she uses it just as much at home when she's trying to not shout at her small children in the mornings. Nice. So, okay, so run us through it. Yeah, so here we are. So faced with a challenging situation, you've got your gut response or you've got your considered response you've thought through in your head. Mm-hmm. And she says, At that point, before you implement your decision, you have an opportunity. And that's when you ask yourself three questions. And they are, what am I trying to achieve? What do I expect to happen? Does the risk out, does the benefit outweigh the risk? Nice. Okay, so talk us through that in, in, so Sabrina says, in an example of what you just said, getting the kids in the car. What's happening, what we're doing with those questions is, um, what, am, what, are, what am I trying to achieve is pulling us back to the big picture. Um, how, what do I expect to happen is raising our situational awareness. It's thinking beyond 
just me? And then how does the benefit outweigh the risk? gets me to think through the consequences of that action. And then her, I love, like one of her very daily examples is you're trying to get the kids out the door on time for childcare and school and to get you to work and somebody won't put their shoes on and they're dawdling and, you know, wanting to watch TV or whatever. And mm-hmm. she said, you know, my gut response is shout at them to get out the door. Mm-hmm. And I think, what am I trying to achieve? I'm trying to get everyone into the car calmly and efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, what do I expect to happen if I shout? I expect they'll shout back. They'll probably be crying. There'll probably be tears. There'll be a situation that there's a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Does, the, does the benefit outweigh the risk? In this case, no. Mm-hmm. It will take longer to get out the door. Okay, so I'm not going to implement that strategy. What's my next one? Okay, I'm going to offer to let somebody choose their favorite socks and shoes. Yeah. Mm. What do I expect to happen? Music for the car. Actually, I'm just thinking as you say this, this is exactly what just happened to me just now, isn't it? (laughs) So with Trevor on his phone call next door, you know, a bit of me wants to run in there and go, what on earth are you doing? You know, don't you know we're recording on oh dear, a podcast next door? But the reality is if I put myself through that process, what am I trying to achieve here? Actually, the outcome that I'm trying to achieve is to not fall out with him and get on with the podcast. So what do I expect to happen? I got a little bit of an eye roll, but at least I was polite and just said to him, we're, we're recording in here. Do you mind taking a phone call elsewhere rather than shrieking at him? And so the benefit, you know, it was a... beneficial outcome you know the tough things about working from home at the moment of course is he's a builder he's not working and you know me being all important doing the recording podcast isn't very fair and kind of puts my needs above his and it's a pretty classic example of the kind of challenges we're all facing in our bubble at the moment you know not feeling that person who is very aware that they're not at work. Um, it's not easy, is it? No, and, and we're going to find ourselves in these situations on a daily basis. Yeah. And that's what I love about this. It's just, um, it's just a chance to pull back and check in before you shout, implement that decision that you're, you know, your knee-jerk reaction. And the really, really, so the two cool things about this are, one, It helps people make better decisions and they can make them just as quickly as without using this process. So they have tested this out. This is used by the fire service and most of the emergency services in the UK. And what they found is when you train people to do it, there's no, there's no latency. They bang, 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 go through their questions and they make their decision just as quickly as normal. Mm. with that outcome the risks and the benefits really fall front of mind very quickly and what I also like about it is what you just said then Denise is that it just enables us to press pause for long enough to prevent the knee-jerk reaction and that is real-time resilience you know we you and I talk about real-time resilience all the time and really what we are referring to is Um, our small, immediate, evidence-based strategies that help us not lose our in the moment. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so the other side um, flow-on effect or benefit of using this approach is when people are using this strategy 
in a very stressful situation, it turns out it helps them feel calmer. Mm. Because they've got a strategy. Yeah. And it's a framework and it's giving your rational brain enough time and a structure and a exercise to do so that it takes over from your emotional brain. Okay, so we like that. Thank you very much, Sabrina Cohen-Hatton, for that work. Great PhD work. Just in case anyone is curious, um, this is a woman who has overcome immense challenge herself. You know, she was living on the streets at 16. She got into the fire service at 18, where being a woman was not um, always a popular thing, Mm. uh, and has made her way up and is now doing research on helping people to function effectively. Cool. So, yeah. Go, go and read more about her work. Buy her book. Yeah, excellent. So um, just really to recap before we finish today's podcast, can you run through the rationale for your strategies and each of the five strategies, please, Denise? So to maintain harmony and family relationships while we are living in these bubbles, I'm advocating these strategies to stay sane and kind. And they are one, lower the bar, lower your expectations of yourself and others. Number two, identify your early warning signs. What reminds you? What lets you know pressure is building? Number three, make a list of the things that calm and restore you and go and do those things when you feel under pressure. When that's what you go and do when you find your, your early warning signs are kicking in. And then number four, have a quiet space for you and everyone in the house that you can go to and not be disturbed. And number five, while you're there, think about what's best about the person who's winding you up so that hopefully when you come out of your quiet space, you're able to genuinely engage with them in a positive way. Nice. So you've written a blog. Have you also, am I right in thinking, created some kind of PDF um, that yes. people can download and write their own list of these up responses to these five up and? Yes. So there is a downloadable stop killing, insert name, <laughs> how to be sane and kind to this person. Um, that is going to be available on our website and we will also post it to ORFM. Awesome. So for more tips or strategies on resilience, uh, you can go to nziwr.co.nz. Thank you for watching. Hope it's been useful. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.